Today, we're going to take a look at some predictions for 2023 in the cannabis industry and see where the industry experts, putting that in air quotes, where they think the industry is going to go. This year, you know, I've been finding that more and more it's difficult to get an understanding of where the industry is going because these aren't industry experts, they are subject matter experts. And so they're just telling you what they think. So, you know, I interviewed a guy um, in the industry who was uh, starting a event company and I asked him, you know, where, what's 2020 going to do? And he said, oh, we're going to have events. Well, obviously he didn't know COVID was going to happen. There'd be zero events, but uh, that's kind of the problem with this um, and, and where we're at. So that's why I brought on Jesse Redman, founder and managing partner of Higher Calling, a consulting firm and also author on Green Giants. So him and I kind of break this down and give you guys a better understanding of where we think the industry is going to go from year after year. I will note that it is interesting that you know back in 2019, not many people knew what was going to happen or they were all on the same page. And now I've had to create a random or miscellaneous category because everybody has their own opinions. They don't really know what's going on. And it's been uh, kind of interesting. Again, it's more of uh, subject matter experts rather than industry experts. And so that's why some of these things are really all over the map. And you've seen that the categories have gotten wider and more. So instead of seven, there's like 12 different categories. And uh, everyone thinks legalization or something political is going to happen or, you know, whatever's in their own little bubble. So Jesse and I are going to break that down. We're going to pop these bubbles and tell you where we think the industry is going to go. All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. All right, back with us is Jesse Redman. Appreciate you being back on The Talking Hedge. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's take a look at um, 2023 crystal ball predictions. We're going to uh, try and uh, rub some brain cells together, figure out what the industry is <laughs> thinking, uh, what they're going to do. But uh, first off, I kind of want to take a look. Uh, at some previous crystal ball predictions. And so what I've done over the last few years here is um, really kind of taken a look at maybe like a dozen different industry uh, publications and then categorize them and kind of aggregate them into what the industry thinks is going to happen. So the green on, on the screen that you're seeing is, uh, you know, different publications guessing that there's going to be some kind of regulation or legalization or something to that degree. And so once I add all those together, one out of five was on that same mind frame of like something political or legal or regulatory was going to happen. But price and profit back in 2020, um, this is before COVID. Obviously, this is kind of when the, the economy was starting to shake without uh, blaming COVID. Also during vape gate, so that made number four. Uh, but again, price and profit was about twenty four percent. Cannabis lounges, I pulled that out from the the legal and regulatory political landscape because there were so many people at sixteen percent. And then we've got cannabinoids at uh, almost twelve. CBD is really big because of the farm bill at almost eleven percent. And then some kind of like medical education concerns, which was really kind of around uh, vape gate. Um, do you got any uh, opinions, Jesse, about like what was happening late 2019, maybe what they got right or wrong during 2020? So was price or profit? What does that mean when it just says price, pro price or profit? Yeah. So price and profit was really about companies that uh, wanted to see valuations come back up. Um, they wanted to see they, they were mentioning that the price um, and uh, revenue were struggling. Um, 
they were anticipating price uh, declines and that the publicly traded stocks needed to reflect um, a more profitable environment. So there was really a, a focus on the wholesale price as well as the stock price and the profit that these companies needed to make in order to live another day. Yeah, so I think that's still a good one. I think if you look back to 2020, um, since then, we've seen a ton of price compression. And I think we're starting to see people focus more on margins and less on growth. And so I think that's a good one. I think that's still in play and maybe as important as ever. The legal one is super frustrating, right, Josh? I mean, yeah. that's that's the one where, especially around this time where we had the Democratic sweep and we thought we were going to maybe see some campaign promises fulfilled. We yeah. thought we'd, at least I thought we'd have safe banking at least by now. Safe uh -huh. banking seemed like almost like a gimme back then. Yeah. And we've gotten absolutely nothing. And I don't think that's the reason a lot of companies are necessarily struggling, but I think that's really important from an investor uh, interest and participation perspective. So I don't know if people were bullish or bearish back then, but I think that's evolved where, where we are today is that people have kind of, I don't know if they've given up hope on politics, but um, I think going into, we can talk more about this, but I think going into 23 that I think people are kind of sick of seeing that carrot dangled in front of them and are really in the show me mode more than ever. Um, consumption lives, I guess. I mean, to me, that's just not a needle mover. Like a cool thing, maybe it advances the culture. Maybe that works in places like Vegas or touristy spots in LA. But we have a couple of those where I live and I just don't see the use case that much with those. Maybe I'm too old for it. But if I'm going to have some cannabis, I'll have it by, you know, by, by, by myself to relax. I'll have it with friends to hang out. But the idea of going to a public place, taking a bunch of dabs, figuring out how to get home, being super stoned in an un, you know, uh, you know, unknown environments, maybe I just haven't been to the right ones, but I don't totally get the cannabis lounge thing. I think there is a place for that, but I don't consider that a real game breaker. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just jump to number six, which is CBD. Um, Back when I ran a medical collective, we carried some CBD products and uh, they never sold for us. I introduced those to hundreds of people. I gave away free CBD pre-rolls. We had tinctures, we had isolate, we had everything. And only I found if you have a specific medical issue where CBD is helpful. And to be clear, I think CBD is a real thing. My dad uses it for chronic pain. People use it for anxiety. It can help with sleep. So totally a valid medicine. But just in terms of a category, even, I mean, CBD is so cheap these days uh, for reasons we don't have to fully go, in, go into, but there's this huge supply of CBD. It's grown super cheaply at big outdoor farms, and it just kind of never took off. So I don't know if people thought CBD back then was going to be a bigger thing, but I think CBD to me as a category has been a bit of a, bit, bit of a disappointment. So those yeah. kind of stand out. Price and profit, I think, more relevant than ever. Politics, super important to something happens, but I feel like people are giving up a bit there. The lounges are a bit of a miss for me. I think they'll come online. I think people will go to them in some places, especially Vegas. And then CBD kind of stands out as the one that you'll be curious to see where it goes moving forward. Maybe other cannabinoids together, like um, CBN. They're starting to make some nice uh, tinctures that help us sleep with some CBN. My dad gets benefit from CBD and CBG. So not giving up on CBD, but kind of a dis disappointing category. Now, if you want to see that, just pull up the hemp fusion stock. CB, I can't remember the ticket right now, but if you pull up the, the stock for hemp fusion, that's in the MSOS ETF. And it's literally gone from, you know, I don't know what it was, $15, $20 down to 15 cents or something like that. So that kind of tells you all that you need to know about how CBD has been uh, performing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of failed. Um, 
It is interesting though, as we kind of moved into 2021, um, the the wholesale price, people didn't really care. Profit wasn't as big of a deal because I think mm-hmm. people just gave up and they're like, well, there's going to be some consolidation instead. So that was 16% consolidation. But moving into the number one spot at almost 42% is anticipating legal and regulation political. And they were right. I think there was like five states that year that either had regulation or medical that were added. So they were there, but I think they were a little bit early, just like in 2020, they were a little bit early for um, cannabis cafes, even though West Hollywood and, and San Francisco had them. But of course, California leads the trends. Um, still anticipating CBD in 2021. They didn't realize that that was going to be a flop. And, um, you know, I think Constellation sold their CBD beverage unit and C- CBN. To, to your point, I use CBG for inflammation. Um, I love that. Use it almost every day. Um, number five is, is 11% at demand. And I think we were kind of thinking that COVID was going to be, uh, that demand was going to be there forever. Maybe mm-hmm. with an international expansion, they were looking at cookies and like, yeah, everybody's going to do that. And with investment surging, uh, that was maybe a little bit early. Um, only five and a half percent thought that that investment was going to surge. Um, maybe looking at consolidation and, and some of those opportunities with distressed assets, but um, kind of a lot of losers on on this prediction one as well. Yeah, the biggest one obviously here is a uh, uh, legal regulation and political, and that just shows you how much that's mattered to investors, right? Um, you know, we've been kind of desperate for a catalyst, and I think you know we can talk about it, but I think that's why this fall has been so brutal. Is not only did we feel like we had a good crack at Safe Bank, but we really had a big run up where it seemed like, you know, all the um, Twitter pundits and all the sell side banks were at seventy five percent, sixty five percent, some eighty percent on getting something done this year, and so you know whether it's the you can you can take the meme of Lucy pulling away the football and that just seems like what we see over and over again on on that side so i'll be curious this year to see if people still put that one so high but yeah that's been a big miss yeah absolutely kind of just putting these side by side and looking at um kind of how they've been shifting as time goes on price kind of moved down people didn't really care about profit political kind of moving up vape gate was done cannabis lounges was a little bit too early um but but they do come back in 2022 (laughs) they're back um, and I think maybe the the people, what they want to see is kind of the window into the soul of the community to allow this um, for people to consume, just like a bar, mm-hmm. you know, pe- people go and get and drunk at a bar. They want to listen to live music. They want to hang out. They want to relax and socialize. So I, I think if they can monetize at all levels and offer food and everything and, and just make it just like a bar, consumption lounges could do well. Um, but I think that, again, they're too early on this. Vegas is coming out, obviously California. It's still a classy felony in Washington State. Um, but I think another thing that that we're um, looking at is a random or miscellaneous category at number ten on this list because, a- as we'll see, th- this list kind of gets bigger and bigger. And I think that's because people just don't really know what's going to happen. They're looking at branding and brands, and that, I think that's more of a um, as we more mature in the industry, we're figuring out what we want. And that came from what's the highest THC at the lowest price point down to finally figuring out what we actually want. Um, having come back from MJ BizCon, I don't really see a whole lot of new product innovations, but um, a lot of this stuff is is maybe too early, like small business over MSOs and banking. I think the industry is um, a little bit too eager in what they want to see versus the reality. 
Yeah, I think there's one thing that I've learned in cannabis, and you think you know it when you go into it because everyone tells you, but until you're really in it, you don't fully understand everything takes longer than you expect and costs more money to get done than you expect. Mm -hmm. And even once somebody tells you that, you think you've put it in your mind, give it an extra six months or a year. You can see from these predictions that I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I just think that they're early in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, everything's taking longer than you would expect to happen. Um, the, the D8 one is a little bit interesting uh, on the bottom there, yeah. um, especially when you even go a step further. Do you look at Minnesota, right, where they have the hemp derived Delta 9 that they, quote unquote, accidentally put into the legislation? So, <laughs> so now I'm, I, I'm originally from Minnesota, so I have a lot of friends still back there. And you may know this, Josh, but you can go into a bar and get a beer or a THC seltzer on tap. And uh, I think they're fa fa fairly low dose. I want to say like five milligrams or something like that. But you have a choice between beer or THC seltzer, which I like better than strictly a consumption lounge, because I think that kind of frames it a little bit better where everybody can choose their own, you know, uh, their preferred head change, whether they want the beer or they want the cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, also in grocery stores or gas stations, you can buy these de hemp derived Delta 9 edibles that are five milligrams each 10 per pack so 50 milligram cap on those but literally checking out at the grocery store you can pick those up and i think that's going to expedite uh legalization in minnesota along with the political scene there which it's fairly democratic which usually leads to faster legalization though not always but i think that uh the d8 scene and the d9 scene um you know i don't pay attention to d8 just because i'm in california and if you have access to delta 9 or proper cannabis i don't think most people really care about d8 but in some of these especially in the South or in places where cannabis isn't legal, mm -hmm. I think that that D8 thing is a big deal. Yeah. And like people like Oregon and there's other states, Washington, that have written into law not allowing it. So kind of a, a short-lived situation, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these things are too early, but like I say, with with finance, there's there's a pending collapse in the financial industry, and just because I said it early doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but just like this list, a lot of these guys, a lot of these um, uh, crystal ball predictions are a little bit too early. So for 2023, you know, it's probably going to be more of the same. Again, these are uh, industry predictions that that uh, publications are are anticipating, and so I think it's just going to be another. Um, uh, just reshuffling of the same stuff. I think they'll probably anticipate um, some kind of banking or more states to come on board. Obviously, more capitulation. A lot of lounges are going to come on. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that price compression. Maybe stock price and profit is going to be important. Uh, branding, all all of the same stuff. I think it's just in di a different order. Um, what, what's your crystal ball prediction, Jesse? What are you looking at? So. I think that I feel like this year is maybe too obvious, which is maybe why I think we get some surprises. Markets, sometimes when everyone thinks something is the consensus or is obviously going to happen, that's when you see surprises. Yeah. And it seems like the recipe for this year, I don't want to call it simple, but a kind of a consensus view, which I um, tend to agree with, is that in terms of the U.S. cannabis scene, I think that scale, size, balance sheet, and uh, moving towards cash flow or profitability are really huge things. And so I think, uh, you know, if you look at the top five, that's going to favor names like, you know, GTI, I think is clearly best in class when you put those metrics together. The people like Kira Leaf, you know, True Leaf, I feel like used to sit in that seat, but with that harvest acquisition, that's caught into their, um, you know, dug into their profitability quite a bit. But mm -hmm. those types of names, I think people are pretty, pretty, pretty bullish on. 
Moving into the, some of the smaller ones, I think people are more concerned, and the stock price reflects this, um, with a name like Air, for example, which spent a lot of money, borrowed a lot of money to uh, do acquisitions and to build out new stores in new states. And as they've done that, especially in places like Mass, uh, you've seen you know, pricing come down so much that they have continually missed revenue expectations. At the same time, you know, they have a ton of um, debt on their balance sheet and interest expenses only go up. And so I think that I think people think that you know names with uh, more interest uh, and counting on more growth to pay that are a little bit riskier, and that's why I think you've seen names like Air just to pick on one, you know, getting killed over the last you know few months and you know basically throughout last year. I think those names continue to have more challenges. On the flip side, look at something like a Merimed, um, you know, smaller operator, nice little footprint, popular edibles, high end flower, and um, you know a profitable business. So I think if you if you contrast a name like Air. Versus a name like Merrimed, I think that the market's going to reward uh, the Merrimed uh, style, which is less growth but more profitability. And I think overall, that scale, size, balance sheet, access to credit is going to be huge. So I think you do okay this year, just kind of focusing on the top five, pick three or top five that you like, or uh, look at the top ten, pick your favorite five, and focus on balance sheet uh, profitability and uh, you know access to credit with no no, no near term maturities. I think are things that will be helpful. I'd move um, federal decriminalization and legalization, you know, way down the list. I'm totally open and hoping for a positive surprise there. But if we didn't get it this year going into, I mean, this year wasn't about so much decriminalization or legalization, but more about safe banking. And I feel like if we didn't get that going into the lame duck period here, Schumer just came out and said, now it's a 23 priority. But I mean, how many times are we going to believe that guy? How many times are we going <laughs> to believe Congress, period? So right. to me, I'm just not even focused at all on decriminalization or legalization. My plan is to expect a difficult environment, expect inflation, expect interest rates, expect a recession, expect further pricing pressure, expect a really difficult operating environment and focuses on, focus on the types of businesses that can excel or survive during that period. And they talk a lot about the tier ones and some of the bigger tier twos building a bigger boat during this period, which I think is probably true. If everyone struggles, I think the smaller, more debt-laden operators struggle the most. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll see more differenti differentiation between types of businesses, size, scale, and balance sheets. I think consolidation um, is definitely in play. I'd look at a business like Ascend as a real candidate. Um, if I were to make a prediction, I'd say Ascend gets bought this year. Mm. I say that because they don't have a CEO after Abner um, you know, stepped down or was actually kind of promoted to executive chairman, but is no longer CEO. They're in a CEO search there that could take six to nine months. Maybe that gets done and Ascend stays um, as a standalone business. Or I've always thought it's a great um, thing to plug into TrueLeave, just because TrueLeave is lacking a lot of that uh, Midwest and East Coast type exposure, specifically states like Illinois and especially New Jersey would be great for them. And Kim is a strong CEO, and she could step in and be CEO of that combined business and kind of solve a couple of problems in one there for both companies. So then consolidation is definitely on the table. The you know, Merrimed, um, you know, sadly, uh, Bob passed away, right? Oh, no, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Oh, about wow. Ten, about 10 days ago. Oh, damn. Yeah. So a real bummer there. You know, Bob was, uh, I think you interviewed Bob on CEO. Interview. I've talked to Bob Fireman a few times. Yeah. He didn't yeah. seem he didn't seem in bad health or nothing. That's surprising. That's too bad. Yeah, I didn't 
dig into the cause if it was an accident or if he had an underlying condition that got him. But yeah, so Bob passed away. And so now they're there without a CEO. And so anytime somebody's a business that's kind of in that tier two, tier three range and lacking leadership, I think they be, especially profitable at this point, uh, I think yeah, that could be a, a, a attractive to somebody else. So I think more consolidation probably happens. Um, on the product side, I think uh, we previously talked about moving towards more convenience with products. And I think that's going to continue to be the trend. Um, just more right. and more, I'm seeing these these pre-rolls. We talked that, we talked about that a bit too. But um, one thing that's big out here are rather back of the day, you used to get about a one gram joint, right? Right. And that was cool if you wanted to smoke with a friend or if you wanted to you know, take a whole a whole gram down yourself and be brave. You know, there's room for that. But uh, a lot of a lot of stuff I'm seeing now are like 10 packs of uh, 0.35, for example, our popular form factor out here. You get 10 of those in a jar and you can take that down yourself. And especially in this you know, post-COVID era where maybe we're not sharing quite as much as we used to. It's kind of a habit that's gotten baked into us. Those the, the, those work pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think vapes continue to get bigger, uh, you know, live resin, live rosin, moving away from the cheaper distillate form factor. So I think a move towards convenience still happens. Yeah. And the other one on here that I think is going to be big is um, hitting price points. So uh, for a while, the trend was like to do a Verano move and focus on high-end flour, thinking that that had better margins and that was what people wanted. And I still think that's true in most environments, but I think in a recession with pricing pressure and inflation and everybody spending more on gas and food, that the trade down effect is a very real thing. And so I think um, people doing the good, better, best thing where they could hit a few different price points. If somebody says, well, I've got 50 bucks, I could get one really good A or I could get a decent quarter. I think a lot of people are going to move towards spending that 50 bucks and getting a little more flour that might not be quite as top shelf. So I think that trade down effect and uh, capitalizing that, uh, capitalizing on that with good, better, best is something that we'll see. Then the last one I'll throw out there is um, with edibles and drinks, people favoring these nano emulsion technologies, which lead to this rapid onset, rapid onset effect, where the edible might hit you in 30 minutes and last a couple few hours, rather than taking 90 minutes to hit and lasting five or six hours. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, that happens in beverages and also at a lot of edibles now in California. So I think that's a trend we'll continue to see. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I'm looking at automation. I think that that price... Um, Pricing is going to continue to come down and a lot of pressure on that from inflation and just everything else. And so with automation, you're going to see a lot more of those dog walker little pre-rolls running around, uh, putting even more pressure on people who aren't taking advantage of you know either first mover advantages or opportunities to get capital to borrow, whatever it takes. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to see a lot more consolidation, I think, uh, with that. So. Yeah, and number nine, I'll just touch on quickly as well. Um, I followed what's going on in Germany quite a bit for uh, I was working on a couple deals over there, and yeah. then also with Kierleaf, you know, they've they've been active in, in in Germany. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. I think um, people are thinking that maybe that's more of a kind of a twenty four thing, mm. but especially with the U.S. being more challenging, uh, once that does turn on, I think that'll be pretty exciting for some folks, and especially I keep an eye on the German market, and maybe as the German market goes, kind of like as states legalize here, that'll motivate other neighboring countries, kind of like it does with neighboring states to turn on so i think we're early and i would be surprised if we get nothing much internationally in 23 but 24 25 i think could be kind of a cool cool couple of years for international expansion random qu question jesse uh ghana just defaulted on their national debt do you think that they're gonna have to legalize cannabis 
<laughs> that's one way to help. And that's one reason I stay so bullish on the state-led growth story is even if a state or country, quote unquote, doesn't want it and it doesn't suit their political leanings, uh, the fact that you can get, that's a way to get revenue, which everyone wants more revenue these days. Everyone wants to collect more taxes to do more stuff with. Mm-hmm. So I get that you're kind of joking around there, but I, I think that that, that as places struggle, they can, you know, cannabis is one thing that they can legalize, slap a tax on and get some more money. So I think that's one thing that will continue to help us. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and see if these predictions add up. We'll have to um, have to come back to the talking hedge and find out, I guess. But with that, I think we're going to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Jesse Redman, who's with Higher Learning. Um, where can they find you at, Jesse? Yeah, so my website is greengiants.net. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Jesse Redmond, J-E-S-S-E-R-E-D-M-O-N-D. And thanks, Josh, for having me. Happy to come back anytime. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. (laughs) Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.